Hi friends, how are you all doing today? I'm actually currently sitting in my backyard uh, recording this intro on a beautiful sunny day and uh, it's, it's extra joyful because of all the rain we've had. Um, you know, it's the little things that we, we learn to enjoy when we're stripped away from so many things that we do on a day-to-day basis and that's kind of what we talk about today on the podcast with uh, Joel. He is a good friend of mine, known him for years and he was a personal trainer for a while. Now he works at a group fitness gym and keeps doing the training there but he's getting into comedy so I wanted to talk to him and you know bring up to light you know, uh, some good information about how to find the joy and the comedy in everyday situations uh, as we are all supposed to be staying home and, and uh, social distancing ourselves from each other so follow along and enjoy the conversation with my buddy Joel Joel, let's uh, start off with introducing yourself. Uh, no work-related introduction, just who are you? What's up? This is my first podcast, by the way. Okay. First one ever. Popping the cherry. Popping the cherry. And to happen. be honest, like, being on the phone and, like, listening to, like, voice recordings, I've always hated my voice. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Listening it sounds back, so weird to me, my own so voice. so weird. Yeah. So I'm very interested to see. <laughs> An hour-long like, conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How ridiculous this is all going to sound. Well, I think your voice sounds normal to me. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. you. So we'll, we'll blame it on the recording <laughs> equipment. It's the microphone. Yeah, that's what sounds all right. weird. <laughs> so I sound normal. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, I am. Uh, my name is Joel. I'm 33 years young, I like to say. And um, yeah, I've just been been a personal trainer, been in the fitness industry for seven years, and just recently I'm trying to ch- turn a new chapter and like explore a different and just try to embark on a new journey, and that is, uh, it's been stand-up comedy. So I just got into stand-up comedy, and uh, it's been great. It's been great so far. Yeah. Um... So the image that I'm looking at uh, is that if you're hearing weird things in the microphone right now is that Joel has a dog in a pouch <laughs> and the dog is getting a little restless. Just, just move the microphone over so the pup's not okay. kicking it. It's I'm right. just going to put him down. I mean, yeah, you can run around. There's nothing, I mean, there's nothing around here to... <laughs> uh, Labradoodle? Or, uh, what's it? Uh, He's a mini golden doodle. Golden doodle, there we go. That's what I was Yeah, about. mini golden doodle. It's funny, it's... Um, my girl couldn't start her car the other day, right? So okay. she had to get um, call one of her guy friends, and ridiculously, I, I don't know anything about cars, and that's like I it's should, okay. as a man, I should know about cars. A couple so, things. Maybe so, one or things. so she had to call this guy over to come fix her car, and I had my dog in this purse, and I'm like, I have to buzz him. <laughs> I had to buzz this guy in the gate. With my dog in a purse, and I like midway through it, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Are you this wearing is... skinny jeans? Cut off jeans? Might as well, I mean, man. How, how, hipster, as... how hipster were we looking? <laughs> it was pretty bad, man. I lost all my man points. Yeah. All my man points destroyed. Yeah. Well, that's all right. <clears throat> uh, 
You know, I don't think uh, in today's day and age the man points need to be categorized by how uh, handy you are with cars. I mean, I own an electric car, and yes. like I couldn't even. I know a decent couple things about the cars, and like I opened up the hood on that three times. First time was just to see what was under it. Every time afterwards was literally to go, dude, look at it. it looks like a bomb. It looks like a bomb. I don't know what to do with this. I shut it and then I go, all right. Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. I, I went in with confidence and as soon as she turned on her car or as soon as she tried to, it showed her gas tank was full. And I was like, that's all I got. Right. <laughs> I'm out. Well, you don't need gas. Shit. So uh, you need a friend. We, we need to call somebody we, else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's bad man oh my god it was that bad. is hilarious uh well was the the problem fixed it was he fixed it right away yeah it was she just needed to give it gas when she was starting it or some shit huh. i tried to take some notes <laughs> take some notes for future reference yeah, yeah exactly give it gas. <laughs> check <laughs> <laughs> um well that sounds like a, an interesting opportunity to kind of switch into this uh, question I've been trying to ask every guest at the beginning of the show is uh, what is one impactful experience in your life that you've seen personal or professional growth from? Well, just going back to uh, my recent, um, my recent new embark that I've taken with comedy is, is seriously been like my biggest fear. And I've always listened to Joe Rogan's podcast. He's obviously a stand-up comedian. He has a lot of stand-up comedians on. So it's always been in the back of my mind. And I sat on it for like a full year. So finally this year, New Year's resolution came around. I was like, this is, I, got, I just gotta do it. So um, got on stage for the first time and it really felt like same kind of feel. Have you been skydiving? Uh, yes, I actually have. And you get those butterflies. You're looking. It was the same exact yeah. feeling. Same exact yeah. feeling. I was Your like, your body doesn't know the difference. They're about to call my name up. <laughs> yeah, they, they got you on the list, and I'm like, and all my friends. This is the ridiculous part about me. All my friends are there, so I, I invited everyone, which is the worst <laughs> scenario ever. So if I if I, I fuck up, up, I know yeah. all these people. They're gonna see exactly. me exactly halfway through. I was like, why would I do this? <laughs> why would I do this? But I did it, and overcoming that and getting through my first three minutes on stage it was i did feel growth i felt like immediately after that it was less than a like a week after that i started talking i reached out to this girl i've always been interested in so i think that kind of transpired i was like i conquered my biggest fear ever getting on this stage so um after that i was like i i, I kind of felt fearless for a little bit, for a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they gave me the courage to start reaching out to this girl that I've always been interested in and we started talking and then right after that, pretty much started dating and yeah. So personal growth, it just gave me confidence, just getting out of my comfort zone, just getting, forcing myself out of my comfort zone and then it made me feel comfortable in other uncomfortable positions yeah. and situations, I should say. So. so many questions that just popped into my head. So <clears throat> um, I've known Joel for a little while now and at zero point in time did I ever think you would be someone who would lack confidence. So would you see yeah. yourself as like a, an introvert, an extrovert? Like, and as you kind of think that one over, like I'll give you a little like, People have the exact same opinion about me as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like when it comes to girls I like, 
I don't know what happens, but I turn into like a 12 year old little insecure kid and I can't talk to them mm-hmm. at all. I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so, I mean, like, so is it like, do you find yourself to be an extroverted person or an introverted person? Like, what was the fear? It was, I would say, um, I'm good with people. I'm good with talking to one-on-one. But personal training-wise, if I get one person in front of me, I can talk to that one person nonstop. Um, multiple people, if I'm talking to a group, it's a little different. It's just, it's way different. It always has been for me. Um, but my recent job has been uh, with the kickboxing. My recent job with the kickboxing has been like, I'm teaching 40-person classes. Yeah. So I'm teaching the 40-person classes in my first time communicating to a large group of people and I think over that over just having that job that's just gave me confidence that's yeah. gave me confidence so I was like I could talk in front of you I had one bachelorette class 40 40 women oh, and I'm the only one instructing yeah and normally I'd be freaking out yeah but, uh, yeah I think just knowing the thing that gave me confidence in that situation is just knowing what I'm talking about which yeah. is fitness so Jumping into uh, jumping into something like comedy, it was just like I have to know what I'm gonna say before I get out there. So I would say I wouldn't say I'm an introvert, but I would say it was a learning. It's a learning process to yeah. be like comfortable in any kind of talking to any kind of group. Yeah. Um, but uh, attractive women just get me choking on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's my weakness. How incredibly long or did it feel fast was that first three minutes? Uh, How did it fir- that first three minutes of being on, um, on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it felt, it actually went by pretty fast. It's yeah. it funny when they're calling my name out. I was walking on stage and not knowing if I would remember anything. Yeah. And that was after practicing this for three days, 72 hours straight going over my lines, going over my lines. And I'm trying to go over my lines before everyone else. Everyone else was doing their sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to go over my lines and... <laughs> my, it's okay. My dog. It's okay. But I'm trying to go over my lines and as everyone else is on stage, I, I keep on forgetting. I keep on forgetting like what I'm trying to say and before I'm, you step before on stage. I step on yeah. stage and I'm like I'm just and then I found myself in the bathroom going over I was like this is straight up scene from eight miles Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> the first thing I thought <laughs> like of eight miles <laughs> in the bathroom going over my scenes going over my everything I was supposed to yeah. say just looking in the mirror and trying to get somewhere that's quiet yeah and I was like I'm just gonna have to do this and they call me on stage and I introduced myself and from there on everything I just remembered. Yeah. So, and uh, I thought it would be easier over time. I've been on stage, I think a total of 10 times now. And every time, same exact feeling. But I mean like 10 times, if you really think about like, let's, yeah, let's, uh, I saw the Netflix special of like Dave Chappelle. Mm -hmm. Like that dude started when he was like eight years old. Started going to the comedy clubs when he was like 14, right? Like. Mm -hmm and really wasn't on the scene until like 19 in like New York or whatever kind of thing. So like uh, 10 times is yeah. nothing. Like, yeah. But you, you listen to them talk about it and it's still that same feeling. 5,000th time on is stepping out on a stage. And yes. Like, Joe Rogan speaks to that. Cold sweats. He says the, that feeling never goes away. Yeah. Never goes away. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, and I think, it's, I think it's important to get out of your comfort zone. Constantly push yourself out of that comfort zone, whether that's um, through trying new things or just through, that's the, the pretty much what fitness is, is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And when you're working out, you're not comfortable and just having that relationship of just being comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. I should say. So, so but, then uh, um, the drive to actually do stand-up comedy, was that like a bunch of people have told you, hey, Joel, you're funny as hell. You should tell jokes or something like that. Or was it just like a, an internal challenge to get yourself out of your comfort zone? It was internal. Yeah. It was internal, but at the same time, like... I think about when I would go out with my friends and I would have a good night. I look back at why that night was good. And that night was always the answer to that question. This is always filled with laughter. It was filled with making my friends laugh, having a group of friends around. We're all laughing and shooting the shit. Um, and that's what a good night to me was every time I went out. So I knew that comedy thing was, uh, I just had to get comfortable. I was like, this is, if I could get paid in some way, and still I'm not thinking about this as a possible career, but if, if I could make this, I would put everything else on the back burner and go all in on just trying to be a paid comedian. I think that'd be the best job ever. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like, it's one of those where, and this is one of like the main questions I really wanted to ask you in kind of today's framing of the world but um you know you, you get to do something that you enjoy doing on a daily basis yeah and so i'm guessing you are really good at um finding the the comedic moments in your day-to-day -day life or actually was it something that you had to once you gave yourself the challenge did you have to build into trying to find them on a day-to-day -day basis that's a good question i think i've always had these funny things in my head and like I'll see someone do something and I'll just have it in the back of my head. So it's that process of taking everything that you store in the back of your head, writing it out on paper and then rewriting it and rewriting it and then making it more into like a story. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, that process of pretty much just putting everything that's in your head and all those funny thoughts and converting it into something short and punchy that you could tell and uh, get everyone's attention without losing them. But uh, yeah, I would say, I would say it's always, it's, it comes natural, it comes natural to me for sure. So then now <laughs> that you, you've been on stage 10 times, you're, you're focusing and trying to build this into more of a skill, um, you know, what can we do as someone who probably has zero desire to stand on stage and tell jokes, um, pointing at myself over here. Um, <laughs> you don't have any desire? You never wanted to just try it? No, I, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've always been much more comfortable in my like athletic feats. Yes. And like if, if I were to go on stage to do something, like I've always been that kid or that guy that has gone and like, hey, look at me, and did like cart flip, cartwheels into backflip or whatever. Like, I've, I, I don't know, like I've never been like the funny person. And I also like, I don't know, I, I just, 
that has never been something that has interests me. But if I could do like stupid human tricks, as I could call it, you know, like, <laughs> I, I would rather be someone who's in like Cirque du Soleil, like a Stevo. <laughs> ah, maybe not quite Stevo, but like. I'd rather be like Cirque du Soleil than, you know, a stand-up comedian. Yes. Like, I'd rather be able to do, like, really badass, cool, like, stupid human tricks. Like, yes. you know, backflips and one-handed yeah. something or other is then, like, stand on a stage and, like, make people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think, it, for me, it was just more getting over that fear of talking in front of people. And that's, I think that's what drove me to it. So, and, uh. I, st I still have that fear. The last time I was on stage, I bombed. I forgot everything I was supposed to say. Halfway through, I just like walked off. And then I was like, okay, okay. Then the, the host got me back on stage. He's like, no, finish. You got to finish. So I went back on stage. I was like, all right, I'll finish. And then I started again. And then I was like, I can't finish. <laughs> I just like walked off, forgot everything. Oh. That was my last time on stage. So yeah. Um, so so in a, an experience like that, does the is the burning desire to hide, or is it to like improve and get back on stage? Uh, definitely improve. I just got yeah. comfortable. Like each week, I was preparing less and less. Oh, and that was like the, so you went from like seventy-two oh, yeah. hours to like oh, five yeah. minutes. I went from like writing, changing things the day before to the day of, and uh, yeah, so it was a good check because yeah. that was a horrible feeling. <laughs> but it's one of those where like, I think you have to get checked in life. Oh yeah, definitely, right? like, definitely, over and over again because no matter what, I mean especially like in, in comedy or whatnot, but just in life in general, like there's someone out there who's trying harder mm -hmm. and working harder than you. And, and so like if, if, if you're not trying to improve, you're falling behind. Yes. Just by the standard pace of things around you. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so the question that I wanted to ask you um, was how can people on like a normal day-to-day -day level um, who are not trying to be stand-up comedians like start to observe and recognize the funny things around them to kind of bring a little bit more joy into our lives? Well, a lot of, um, a lot of where I started with it was just my day-to-day -day interactions with my, like being a personal trainer, training for seven years, there's a lot of situations that were just comical that I just would glance over. So it's just like, I think there's a lot of, I don't know, it's just, I also feel like it's how the individual looks at things. And I've always been someone that's pulled comedy out of certain situations to, um, for myself. I think that's so made what, me cope what? with a lot of, so I, I feel like um, to answer your question, uh, say it again. <laughs> I was gonna say, <clears throat> So how are you pulling the comedy out of those little things? Like, how are you recognizing and acknowledging that, like, something is funny? Besides, like, yeah, I, like, there's many different styles of humor and whatnot, mm -hmm. like slapstick or someone, like, trips and falls and, like, hurts themselves but not really hurt themselves. Yeah. And, like, that's can be funny kind of thing. So, like, like, how are you, like, recognizing that as, like, and, and like, just kind of, like, appreciating like the funniness of the, the situation that's going on. I think it's just comes from years hanging out with my friends. I mean, I made my friends laugh my, my whole life, just yeah. shooting the shit in the living room, passing beers or whatever it may be. And I know what makes people laugh. And then, um, 
and then also just being a student, just being a student in comedy, just growing up listening to comedy, and I have my favorite comedians, uh, like Dimitri Martin, like Mitch Hemberg, I don't know if you know them, but... I know Mitch. Mitch Hemberg. Dimitri oh, is they're... not ringing Dimitri... a bell right off the top of my Dimitri head. Dimitri Martin's amazing. Um, so just listening to them and how they tell their jokes, and but most of it's just like, it's not forced. It's, it's not a forced thing. It's like, I know what makes people laugh because it just comes natural. It's just hanging out with my friends. Yeah. My friends make me laugh too, and I've been trying to get them to do the same thing I, I'm doing. But uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of this is like, I'll write down, like for instance, I'll go through a situation, I'll write it down on paper, and I think it's funny. If you read it off the get-go, it's not funny. And then I'll change it, and I'll change it, and I'll just restructure, 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 add a couple lines here and there. And um, so it's a lot of it's just the writing process Yeah. for me. Yeah. Were you an avid writer at all before? No. So no. This, is, this is just something completely new. Yeah. Something completely new. Yeah. I do zero writing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and uh, that's why I'm like... I've always felt like um, with me, I've always like reinvented myself. Like, so I was in the military for like six years and I decided that wasn't for me. And then I got into fitness and I've been about six, seven years in fitness. And then I'm kind of like, kind of over the fitness scene, kind of over that whole thing. And then, um, so looking to steer my attention to something else. So that would be, if it's comedy, it's comedy, but I definitely like the entertainment side of things, and I can yeah. see myself embarking in that, so. What aspect of uh, fitness are you kind of like over? Is it just like normal burnout? Or? It's, so for fitness for me has always been something I've done to clear my mind and for like meditative purposes for myself. Um, if I'm too chaotic, if I got too much going on, I work out and everything's fine. So, um, and I've always known how to work out. So it just was the first job out of the military that made sense. It's like, I know how to do this. I could teach people how to do this. But then through the course of doing that, you realize how different you are. And I've just got tired of motivating people that would just lie to me. <laughs> it's just like, hey, uh, they're trying, they're paying me to lose weight. And then they'll go eat cake on the weekend and then be mad that the skill says X, Y, Z, like whatever it may be. And that was like 24 hour fitness as a personal trainer. That's like 90% of my clients yeah. <laughs> just like just calling out people on their bullshit pretty much. It's just like so, a practice of futility. Yeah, it's just um, so I, I think it's just. I had some awesome clients too that made me love my job, but the uh, awesome clients to the extremely lazy personnel, um, it just, I don't know, I, I think I'm someone that's, I am ADD, so I always think I'm looking for some kind of change as well. Um, so I think that's what kind of, I think it's just time. I think it's just time to change. But my new job with um, doing the group classes and running the kickboxing gym, I feel like is a way better fit than personal training. Yeah. Where I'm teaching a group of people that want to work out hard and I'm getting them rallied up, turning up the music and just creating a lively atmosphere. I think that has been, that's been awesome for me. So that's, yeah. that's been good. But the personal training is, 
Yeah, six years of that just, just drove me crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you did that for a while, I was right? Say, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm pretty sure you know that. Like, I accidentally stumbled into becoming a CrossFit instructor, mm -hmm. and like, <clears throat> on the same level of what you're talking about is that, like, yeah, I started like Olympic weightlifting when I was like 14, 15 years old. I remember the first time I worked <laughs> you out came with to you. the gym. Yeah, I worked out <laughs> with you. And I, uh, we were doing that warm up set, and I was like. I was I got weighted probably by twenty some pounds, twenty, twenty-five pounds. I don't know. I felt like I was big. That was like my prime. And we're doing our warm-up sets. You're like, oh, I'll work in with you. And I was like, You want me to take off some weight? You're like, no, it's fine. And then you kept on adding weight, and then I wasn't sure if I could keep up with you. And it was just like a very humbling experience. Uh, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> so yeah, like I may be a small individual, but like my body Boost. weight to force output has been quite well yes um so that has in the past has uh, has allowed me to you know raise in the ranks of crossfit ranking in the open and whatnot mm -hmm. and I, I i had seen some mild success and a little bit of sponsorship and whatnot but kind of going back to like the group fitness aspect how long ago of, was that are you still active you're still actively my license just like expired not too long ago um but i like volunteer at the crossfit gym i just kind of help out i like the community there i like the atmosphere um that that fits my style of like fitness that i like to work out as um growing up you know from middle school to high school most of it more high school but like most of it was like 24 hour bodybuilding style working out, just chest and tries, back and buys. <clears throat> and my oldest brother is four years older than me. So like when I was a sophomore in high school, he was in college and he got heavy into like bodybuilding and then got into Olympic weightlifting and stuff like that. And so I, I was able to be exposed to like the Olympic weightlifting and yeah. the training side of it mm -hmm. at a much younger age. And it, I'm a fairly coordinated person to begin with. Um, unless you want me to throw a ball, then watch out. You, yes, you might lose an eye. You might, yeah, like I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at anytime an object leaves my body, it is dangerous for everybody around. Throwing's, throwing's weird because I'll see the best basketball players in the world, best athletes. You give them a baseball and they look. Like, they, <laughs> it's like all athleticism goes out the window. Well, I'm so. glad to hear that. Yes. <laughs> I wrestled like my entire life. So like if I'm touching an object, I am highly, highly confident that I can manipulate it yes. any way that I want. Yes. And so like doing like the snatch and clean and jerk and, and mm -hmm. working on Olympic weightlifting uh, style movements, it worked well for me and starting at a younger age, I was able to build up some good habits and good technique. And so I've always been very efficient at like lifting weights, but like as soon as you try to have me one rep max, like, no, nah, I'm not good at all. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not like, do you, want, you want me to do like 10, 15 reps? Like mm -hmm. sweet, I can do like 90% of my one rep max. I can do yeah. it for like 10 reps, but like you add to like five pounds to it, I drop all the way down to like one rep. Is that the struggle where you had in CrossFit? Yeah, <laughs> was, um, it just gets heavier and heavier, right? Well, a lot of people, they don't want to talk about it or whatnot, but as soon as they, at least in the CrossFit world, they don't want to acknowledge it, but as soon as they introduce the $250,000 purse for grand prize, 
everybody started getting on juice. If That's you were if you were close to being, they claim they test. They claim they test, and they do test. But they mm -hmm. just just like they test in college, just kind like they of, test in you pro. Know when the tests are going to be kind of. It's thing. not that you know, like sometimes yes, that would say that's a little bit more Russia, a little mm -hmm. bit more collusion. -y, but yeah. I would say actually, the fact that like the. The criminal is always one to two steps ahead of the law, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you only as like the 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 body of testing is always a few steps behind, and so like as soon as X drug becomes illegal, you know, like a scientist or whatever is already making the next one and then the next one after that. Yes, and so there's certain things that you can test for, and like things like testosterone, there's a very large range mm -hmm. of variability for normal um, and you can cycle and so you know they're gonna be testing around peak season right so if you like do your steroids and testosterone and all this stuff like pre-season you know when mm -hmm. most of like you're just competing in local competitions and whatnot are happening then you cycle off your testosterone levels drop back down and so the vast majority of people are going to skate by just fine and then like if you make it to the CrossFit Games, like you get tested at the games, well, you've already cycled off because you don't want to be on steroids yeah. when competing. Yeah, like you want to be off of that stuff, and, and so there was a good correlation of like when the, it was like a year or two after they like initiated the the two hundred fifty thousand dollar purse was uh, they had a lot of like dips in one of the workouts for. Um, it was either like regionals or the or the games or something like that, and a ton of people started ripping their buys and and pulling their bicep tendon mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And if you know anything about like steroids, it, it a lot of professional bodybuilders tear those two uh, muscles as well because it makes those ligaments and joints uh, more brittle. Okay. And your shoulder is the most mobile joint in your entire mm -hmm. body, and so it can hold weight at many different angles and very heavy and so like if you're doing a lot of steroids and it's making a highly mobile joint brittle and then you add lots of load to yeah. it the odds of it's breaking are increased dramatically yeah and so <laughs> but yeah it, it's everybody's not everybody a good majority of people started doing juice and yeah. people who like reached the pinnacle and i won't name any names or anything like that but like people who won the games it's a podcast. as a team, Let's throw out names, <laughs> throw uh, these people. No, if, if if people are deep enough into CrossFit, we've yeah. probably lost like you six already people know. already. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a really good gym in San Diego that has gone to the games a couple of times. There may or may not have some people who have admitted to taking steroids yeah. during the years that they won the games, um, <clears throat> and they no longer do CrossFit. If that helps narrow the pile down. Yeah. But it's one of those where um, it's I fumbled into CrossFit on accident to try to make friends, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so getting into it and getting good at it was just a, a, a combination of, you know, expertise, lifting mm -hmm. weights and, and having an engine being cardiovascular and just being really coordinated that like I could do a muscle up day one. Someone showed it to me. I did it kind of yeah. thing. Like, you know, the things like that where yeah. like. It, a lot of people don't get that, even if they're extremely me, like, three weeks, four weeks. Exactly, but like the thing that took me forever was jumping rope. Mm -hmm. I, I like 
working the hand and jumping. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't work well for me, but yeah. like holding on to something and manipulating my entire body around it, I could do it. Like, Easy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, wow, we just went a long tangent down my no, <laughs> fitness. <laughs> world of steroids, man. You can't compete. You can't no, compete you, you, with you, steroids. You can't compete with steroids. And, and so when people kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and I will throw one person under the bus a little bit, but Noah Olson. Okay. I think he's in Miami or something like that. Um, we started CrossFit around the same time, and we're, we were, a, uh, we are the same height. We yeah. were about the same weight. Um, and he was like slightly stronger than me and I was much better at like the cardiovascular stuff yes. than him. And then all of a sudden he started putting on a shit ton of weight and getting real fucking big and yes. real fucking strong. And so what you're saying is you should have started doing steroids. <laughs> if I wanted, to, if I wanted to be really good at CrossFit, yes, I, I should have got on steroids and and gotten stronger because I had everything else yeah. in the playbook. Yeah, I had the technique, I had the endurance, I had the. I would have had to get shoulder surgery as well because my shoulder pops out of socket quite easily because mm -hmm. I tore my labrum in college. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not doing steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those that like, kind of like to, to finish my rant about me, uh, is that like, I've done a lot of fitness things in my life and I've like reached some pinnacles, mm -hmm. but it was never fulfilling. Yeah. Like you win the first place trophy and, and then what? Yeah. Well, you go back to the gym. You go back to training again. You go back to practice. And, you know, like growing up, I, I never won anything big. Like I didn't win a state title in wrestling. I didn't do any, you know, I walked onto the wrestling team. I wasn't recruited whatsoever. But by the end of the year, I was the starting guy at my weight class. And, you know, I was doing well and ranked well by the time that I had to leave wrestling. Yeah. But like it was never because of like, I mean, yes, I'm genetically gifted, but like it's going to and practicing over and over and over again. And I got really good at practice. Yeah. Really, really good at practice. <laughs> <laughs> you say you're genetically gifted. Um, are your parents athletes? Um, my mom runs like five miles every day, oh, like yeah. rain, shine, winter, snow, like kind of thing. Um, and, you know, she, I'd say she's fairly active and fit and all that i think i don't really know my biological father that well mm -hmm. um but i think he did gymnastics in college or okay. he, he at least i know he did gymnastics mm -hmm. um and I, I mean if they had high school gymnastics in the small little podunk town that i was from i probably would have done gymnastics as well kind yep. of thing because like i CrossFit, am you're knocking on the door <laughs> <of the> gymnastics. <laughs> I, I am the perfect size for that yeah uh, strength to body weight ratio um no but i mean i don't know like some people are just better at things than others right like yep. you know you meet that you person who, who just like picks up something and they get good at it really fast. The person mm -hmm. who can go and just go run 15, 20 miles like without training or anything like yeah. that, you know? Like there's people out there like that. Yeah. That are just highly impressive. And then the ones who show up every day and, and put in the extra work, you know, are the ones who go and do great things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, you know, like it's like you talking about like 
observing comedy out there mm -hmm. and then like writing it down, rewriting it down, and then like testing it. When I say writing it down or rewriting it down, it's like I was clocking about 20 hours a week <laughs> on yeah. my free time, just writing stuff and just Were you concepts. actually, were you paper based? Were you actually like you had a manila yes. note, notepad and yes. you were like and writing I, it down? Yeah, and then I switched to my computer, but yeah. uh, I'd have every word for word every single thing I was going to say on my computer and yeah. then I'd reread and I was like, that's an extra word. I could take that out. Yeah. I'd take that out. And then I reread again. I was like, oh, this part should be up here and then restructuring it and then being like, oh, this only comes to two minutes. I need to add some parts and then try to stay within the same topic is another thing. Um, one thing that a lot of um, comedians do is they do the same set every week and they kind of polish that up over time yeah um one thing i've done is i've done a new three to five minutes every single week so i i feel like if i have my friends come out and i i always bring out like some awesome friends but i got like 20 15 to 20 people that would come out on a regular basis every wednesday to come see me so since i was bringing all these people out i felt like i needed new material every single week so yeah. that put me in like a, a weird it spot. was it was good though yeah. it's it the pressure i needed to put on myself to uh get down and write and but it was average 20 hours but do you feel that i mean okay so there's definitely a a spectrum because like you're only getting three minutes as of right now mm -hmm. on stage yeah and like i know as you will get better the way that I perceive comedy to be is that you'll get more time as you get better and, yes. and more notoriety. Yeah. So like as of right now, you have such a short time frame, which could feel like an eternity. Yep. <laughs> um, so there's that level of like, do you, you know, redo that same set next week kind of thing? Or do you try to like do something new? Because like you probably have a hundred jokes, you know, or, yeah. or stories in your head right now and you're so fresh to it that you probably want to get it all out, is that? So my concept, I, I think uh, the way I laid this out is like, been on stage, like I said, about eight to 10 times. Um, so I did eight different sets, and then I want to cycle through. I want to reformat the first okay. one, reformat the second one, reformat the third one, and just get those, because each one, each one I do live, I'm like, oh, this was jacked. I don't, shouldn't say this, shouldn't yeah. say that. So just like um, each time I do a set, I learn things that work and things that don't work. Um, so I do need to get better at getting more stage time and taking things out that shouldn't be there and adding things. It's a whole process. Yeah, I'm curious, the, the last set that you did where you bombed, mm -hmm. um, was it new material? Was it old oh, material? It was new material? Yeah, completely new. Was it, was, your core 15 friends all there? It was, okay, so this was the difference. The difference was it was a much smaller crowd than normal. It was, it was, uh, it was right before all the bars shut down okay. from the coronavirus. So everyone was kind of hesitant of going out and it's by far the smallest crowd we've ever seen or okay. ever had there. What, where are you going? Um, Beachcomber. Okay. So Beachcomber started their open mic and we just, we went on their opening their open mic for the opening day and then started going ever since That's so awesome. every wednesday um but it was like 
when there's a big crowd and you're telling a joke and you get that laughter, that confirmation, yeah. I felt like it made it so much easier. And it's like, oh, you could hear, when you're telling a joke and you could hear like a pen drop, <laughs> it's like, and you get like, a, it's a super small crowd, uh, it's a way different feeling. So I was starting to toss, I felt like my wheels were spinning in the mud. Just falling and out. Yeah. There's, uh, no, there's no momentum. Exactly, so I yeah. think that was the biggest, um, the biggest takeaway is just smaller crowds. So I just I need to be comfortable when it's silent, comfortable when there's a good crowd, comfortable when there's a bad silence crowd. is power. Oh god! Because sometimes I mean, like you can utilize that and turn it into laughs. Yeah. Right. Somehow I'm not a comedian at all, but like in general, like being comfortable when it's silent. Mm -hmm. No one likes that. I don't care who you are. I yeah. mean, like, it, after 15 seconds and not a single word said, everybody feels weird. Yes. Everybody feels yes. weird. <laughs> yes. And I feel that that comes with um, the more time I'm on stage, the more comfortable I'll get yeah. with those moments. Yeah. But I'm so scripted right now that I need to get off the script. I not need to that make I'd the want, bullet parts. Yeah, not that I points. want to ask you, but if I were to ask you to like do your three minute set right now, would you be able to like Oh hell no. No? <laughs> no, I could I could go I I have like bits that I could riff off of. Yeah. And but um yeah, I, I could I could shoot the shit for a little bit. I mean, yeah. let's check on the <laughs> clock, but we've been going for 40 minutes, so yeah, we'll be able to riff. Well, I had this one bit, um, like I said, when I started out, I just, like the most, when everyone starts out, they easily are able to pull comedy or just off their day-to-day -day life. So yeah. my day-to-day life was personal trainer in La Jolla, and I feel like being in La Jolla was a complete unique experience from anywhere else I've ever lived. <laughs> so for, not that there's probably anybody listening from outside of San Diego, but just in case there yes. are. I've, I have seen statistically, when I look on the backside of this, I have one Canadian listener. Now I think I know <laughs> who it is. <laughs> See, I was right below Canada. I was right on Bellingham. So. Yeah. Yeah, where I'm from, like people get addicted to like hard drugs. like. Right below the border, like people are addicted, they get addicted to hard drugs in La Jolla, people get addicted to Botox. So it's, it's completely a different world from what I'm used to. So I remember drawing so many parallels throughout my um, training career, six years in La Jolla, and just being like, this is so much different than the rest of the world. Like, for instance, like I used to see, like I used to love the natural female body. Like, used to absolutely natural was my thing. But since living in La Jolla or working in La Jolla for so long, every time I sit, saw like real boobs, I just think how broke they must be, <laughs> like how financially strapped they must be. And it's just like La Jolla just changes you. <laughs> so oh, it's just that's like hilarious. Well, it's just it's, it's a just, weird paradigm shift. It is. It is. It's completely. So it's just taking like little things that you think in the very back of your head and putting it out on paper. And it's like, why doesn't this girl have fake boobs? She broke. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> too much time in La Jolla. <laughs> I mean, like, I have a very, very mild version of that. Like, so when I taught CrossFit, yeah. Um, by the end of like my tenure of uh, you know working at the CrossFit gym my viewpoint of what a healthy, attractive woman mm -hmm. had like massively changed. Oh yeah. 
just because you're 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 surrounded by you know because you know when you're competing and stuff like that you surround yourself with other competitors and so like you know a five foot ten a hundred and sixty pound woman became a little bit more normal than, yeah. than probably the 5'3", 115 pound average or whatever, you know, averages are. Yeah. And so it was just like, yeah, like traps and delts, like on a woman <laughs> became like hot. It was like, <laughs> yo, that chicken lip, like, all right, <laughs> she probably yeah. can squat a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at those thighs. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I can see how like living Being in- Being a product of your environment. Yeah. Just, like, it does, it changes you. Have you ever looked back at your old yearbook at all your old high school crushes and be like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, what? I'll, uh, I'll admit I don't own a single uh, yearbook. That's, that's good. Yeah. I haven't looked at mine for a while. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, just uh, time changes. Product of your environment is a real, real thing. Yeah. I mean, the, it, to get like businessy on it is like, you know, or life or whatever, but like you are the five people you surround yourself with. Yes. So it's like you're going into La Jolla every day. Which again, for people who are outside of La Jolla, it's like a top one percent in the nation, like wealthy-wise neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you're on the coast. It's multi-million-dollar homes everywhere, and I think the official uh, mom mobile in La Jolla is the Mercedes G wagon. Yes, yeah. it is. And so, if you surround oh, yourself right. by that on a day-to-day basis, it didn't work for me, man. <laughs> yeah, where's your sugar? We're still driving a van. <laughs> where's your sugar, mama? <laughs> I know. I was about to pull one of them off the elliptical. Like we had this old string of my my gym was like in the heart of La Jolla, so it was a very old demographic there, mm-hmm. and very old and rich. And uh, I'd say most of my clients were um, multimillionaires, and they were all around. 60 to 70 that's like the average age of my clients 60 to 80 years old so and that was also a weird situation too being in my uh, 20s and calling out 80 year olds for lying to me about going off their diet so i'm like calling out old people all their bullshit and I, I had one client. They haven't been stood up to in a long yeah, time. Yeah, one client. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just go day by day in their own little world. I had one client that um, he came up to me. He came up to me and he was like, I've been walking miles every day and I have not been losing any weight. And then I always sit these people down and we start talking. And I find out like the miles he was walking every day. He has a dog that he named Miles. So that's like his his Oh, that sneaky fucker. That's what I'm saying. And this is... I've been walking miles. Yeah, and this is like legit the bullshit that I dealt with for six years. Like white lies. Every single client that wasn't showing was like white lies across the board. (laughs) It was just like, it was like walking miles. It's like, wait, your dog is named Miles? Is your dog you've been walking every day? I was like, so you've been walking your dog miles. So I felt more like an investigator than a personal trainer, where I was just like, all right, let's figure out what the real truth is. Yeah. And um, that's where I kind of like, after six years, and it's like, yeah, I just grew apart from it. It's like, I'm done being an investigator. I want people that want to improve. And I get like a handful of those, but yeah. a small handful. And, and those, in a model that is, is 
use 24-hour fitness as an example, right? Like, mm-hmm. Their model isn't built off of the super user, the, the guy or gal who shows up every day the same yeah. time, you know, let's just call it like say four days a week, five mm-hmm. days a week, doesn't matter, but shows up routinely, regularly, and uses the equipment. They don't make their money off of that, right? Yeah. It's the person who gets the membership for $25 a month or yep. whatever it is. I think that's a big part of it. And, and then never shows up. And, but like, that's kind of fitness for us, though, in general, right? That, that on the vast majority of people, the negative side effects of not staying active are... 15 years out if you're young, 20 years out if you're super young, like, or five years out, you know, kind of thing. So it, it's years away and you don't have a problem right now. Yeah. And, and so it's like, well, why do I have to go to the gym? I feel sh- like shit. I, mm-hmm. I'm so sore. Like Joel keeps calling me a liar because I'm <laughs> like, walking miles. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just had to turn off, like, I felt like I cared about my clients, like, getting results more than they cared. Yeah. <laughs> so I had I just had to shut that off because I had a few clients that were paying me for results, but they said they would never come to the gym more than twice a week. And I was like, uh, all right, and you're not going to make sacrifices on. So I, I had to definitely just yeah knock uh, just stop caring about people's results. <laughs> I should have never brought the dog. That's okay. <laughs> it's such a distraction. No, it's fine. <laughs> Um, that was my fault for trying to get him riled up. You're a cute little guy, aren't you, little, huh? You're a cute little guy. He's a lady killer. Yeah. All this curly little fuzzball over here. <laughs> Until he gets a haircut, and then he looks like a wet squirrel. And it's just not a good look. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, my roommate in college, um, he showed up one day with a, it was a puppy, but like a full-size standard poodle. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those, it was like, he had a, he, it was his, it wasn't like he was adopting it or anything like that, no, 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 like he bought this dog and like yeah. brought it to our like house in college or whatever, didn't ask anybody, just yeah. like showed up with a dog and it was yeah. like, all right, I guess we got a dog now and like yeah. this thing grew to be, you know, full-size poodle, people, I don't think people realize Have you thought that, about like, getting a dog here? I'm not a dog person. Like, in the sense that they're cute, they're great, you know, yeah. all that great stuff. Like, I am not a horrible anti-animal person, but, like, the way that my life is structured, the, the like, the amount of hours that I work, yeah. the, the, like, the, the craft that I am trying mm-hmm. to create, that it would be detrimental, I think, to the animal yeah. to own, you know, a dog or whatever that, like, I, I'm when we're not in coronavirus like yes. I, I go to the office yep. I, I often don't get home yeah, you until need a right 8 job. o'clock at you night you know mm-hmm. and it's one of those where I would feel so bad and like okay so you, then you have to walk them and you know make sure they're fed and all and yeah. like I lucked out with this guy so yeah. I'll bring him to my gym and I'll be there for I'll teach like three classes in a row I'll be there for five hours I bring his dog bed and he just sleeps in the dog bed and I'm bumping music. We got our gym's unique. We got like strobe lights flashing, and he people just have to sign waivers so <laughs> so they don't like. Do you have epilepsy? <laughs> we had um, yeah. We don't. Well, we have them sign like liability waivers for health concerns, all that stuff. But um, we had one seizure, and since the time we're working, 
like epileptic or we just had a girl that just had a seizure okay just what's the difference uh like epilepsy it can be induced from flashing lights, flashing lights. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know how a seizure happens. But I, I heard a seizure could be brought on by, by lights, lights as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, then I. Yeah, I just got. I remember <laughs> teaching that class, though, and yeah. someone coming up to me, like, Joel, I look over, and she's face down, like, on the turf. Was she, like, convulsing? She, she wasn't at first. She was just frozen, but in a very awkward Weird. position. And then I roll her over, and she's like, the tensest someone can be like fizzing from the mouth it's a scary it's a scary moment <laughs> but yeah a, a, a good friend of mine i uh luckily i had known um symptoms and signs and whatnot and i've had medical training in the past uh, i'm not a doctor or anything like that uh, but like cpr and mm-hmm. stuff like that um <clears throat> and um my brother had a stroke when he was 26 and so there was a it was a client at the the, the gym, and um, he was like talking about how like his tongue felt weird and stuff like that, and like dude had a stroke right there in wow. the gym, yeah, and wow. like luckily the like I had some medical training, minor minor medical mm-hmm. training, but like also luckily I recognized the signs and symptoms. Just tongue felt mm-hmm. weird. Well, that was the first part. Yeah. I had him do some biomechanic testing to mm-hmm. see what was going on, and one side of his body was not responding as well as the other. Yeah. So he was having, like, you know, the because mm-hmm. that's usually what droopy happens. Droopy face. Yeah. yeah. So he wasn't droopy face, but he couldn't lift his one leg up as high as the other, like, to step onto a box. Yeah. And so it was one of those. I, I was like, hey, man, I need you to sit down. I need you just to stay calm. Like, you know, you, you look after him. I called 911, like, Good. Got, and like, and so like, luckily got him into the hospital and he recovered quite quickly, but like, yeah, yeah man. It's, if it's, he continued, it could have, oh, it, could, it probably would have gotten, because yeah. I mean, once you're starting to have those things, it's the, it's the beginning of the stroke, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know enough about that yeah, kind yeah, of stuff yeah. to, to know if like, you know, if he kept working out or whatever, like, but I'm guessing it would have made it worse. Like. I had a 90 year old, I, had a, I trained a 90 year old, he had two strokes and he could, he was at the point where he couldn't lift his right arm. So when we were doing like bench press, he'd lift, he'd grab his right arm with his left, lift it up to like the machine press and he was able to press from there. But it was like, he couldn't raise it by himself. He had a, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Still ticking along though. Works full time. He killed. He was. Um, he was. Uh, but he was probably one of those self-motivated clients that actually brought you joy. He was amazing. He was amazing, and it was like his work ethic in the gym transpired to like how he carried himself throughout life. He was uh, the person that built the uh, OB bridge. He br- built the OB pier, um, and then which was the first pier. A little history fact: first pier that was ever built in uh, open waters, open ocean. Oh, yeah? So, and then he became an international consultant for how to build a pier with breaking waves. And for I think a he was while, a multi-billionaire. It's, it, it was the longest, um, but it is one of the longest wooden piers in the ocean. It was the longest, for and then it was the longest on the West Coast. And yeah. then I think, like you now said. Now it's like top five yeah. or something I like that. I think it's a quarter mm-hmm. mile, though. It's 
fucking huge. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. He said he built it, and then the city um, wanted it longer. So all of OB started a fundraiser, and everyone pitched in to make their pier even longer to become the longest. So it was like a city effort. It was like yeah. a community effort <laughs> Let's get to throw him map. more money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it pretty cool. Yeah. I think that was the coolest thing about my personal training. It's just getting to know each individual and like um, a lot of my clients like were very wealthy and successful business people. So getting getting to know what made them successful. My hardest workers in the gym were always like very business successful people. So it just transpired. Uh, so. Um this has been a super successful podcast of answering all my questions and giving people practical tips on uh, how to find joy in coronavirus and, and being a little bit more present in the day-to-day -day life of uh, <laughs> confinement. So, um, <laughs> um, so your, your process, you, you were saying, is like you're just living your normal life. You're a personal trainer. You, you see some weird shit. Your worldview has kind of been changed slightly by the surroundings uh, of people that you're around. So what are, what are ways that like in your experience so far, what are ways that people can be more aware of their surrounding and try to like search for the joy and the comedic effect around them? I would say simply is experience um, to get perspective. I think is that's where I think it's important to travel. I just traveled for the first time this last year. Went to Germany for um, beer fest. Oh yeah, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yes. And uh, then traveling gives you so much perspective on how other people are living, and then like me growing up in my tiny little city. If I never moved, I would never know. <laughs> like, I would just know what that tiny city has taught me. So I, th I think the biggest part is, like, throwing yourself in new experiences and traveling and um, just getting, gaining perspective. Gaining perspective through trying new things and challenging yourself daily. I think it's the best way, for sure. Okay. Um... So wait, you didn't travel at all for the military? So we did oh, down the I mean, all, different? all west coast. So um, yeah, I traveled quite a bit in the military um, through Mexico, Puerto Vallarta, Costa Rica, um, all west coast. But like, I felt like going to Germany was like a whole nother ball game. And I planned this trip. I planned this trip and initially um, I procrastinate. I've always done that my entire life. So it was like week two before I was leaving and I had not, I don't know where I was gonna stay that night. I didn't have anything booked. It was kind of just like a wing it trip. And I was meeting up with a couple friends like um, two days into my trip. So I landed in Frankfurt and I had to find a place to stay as soon as I landed and the language barrier and just seeing how people, I just remember walking in laps around the whole city and just like, this is a different world. It's a completely different world. Um, and then went to beer fest and went to Czech Republic after that. And then by the time I came home, I was just, it was like my whole world just felt so much smaller. Like I haven't seen anything. So I think, um, 
yeah, just constantly traveling and gaining perspective and trying new things and getting out of your comfort zone, I think is uh, the way to go for sure. I forgot what your question was, to be honest. <laughs> I just read a, uh, hey, real talk, real talk. Um, I've been, like I told you earlier, I've been doing keto for, it's going on three weeks now. And these two beers that I've had yeah. have been the most I've drank in like a long time. And right now, you're a little buzz. I'm feeling good. <laughs> just two, two. So shout out to June Shine. Local, shout out to June Shine. Local San Diego this company. Blood Orange Mint. Yep. Yeah, we'll make you forget every question. <laughs> it's um, one of these tangents that I'm like, where was I going? <laughs> like I said, this is my first podcast. Yeah, so. no, 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 it's good. <laughs> tangents are great because it brings up, you know, okay, so the question was uh, how... The question was something completely different. <laughs> no, 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 you, you brought up a really good point of like where to find inspiration and, and perspective on... Yes finding joy so like the question a little bit more specifically was how in our day-to-day life can we start to observe more the the comedic effect around us the the joy and the happiness around us like where how do how do you you know like create the comedy out of a normal everyday situation. I mean, you've watched Seinfeld, right? Yes. Seinfeld's fucking hilarious. Yes. But it's also about normal, everyday, regular-ass shit. Yes. Yet it's super funny. They right? just put a twist to it. Yeah. I think it's... I, th- I think you're just... I mean, I think there's people that look through dif- look at life through different lenses. And I think people will look at a certain situation and think negative. And then there's people that look at that same situation and pull positivity out of it. And there's other people that will pull comedy out of it or pulls like, this is kind of weird. This is a weird situation. And and I I feel like it's different between person. I don't feel like there's a set way how to do it. I just think it's the way you look at things. And um, I've heard... Uh, comedics, professional comedics talk about the same thing and they said um, when you are in Burt Kreischer or Burt I think that's his name. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Yeah. but he was talking about how he was in the ER and it was like he was in a emotional state like his wife and he's writing down lines from shit he was seeing the that's something normal people would never do but like if you're looking at things through that lens i think it just becomes natural he's like when you're thrown in certain positions and you're taking comment comedy out of tragedy like tragic moments um and you're looking at it at a different angle he's like that's that's pretty much what he was saying and that's pretty much what I'm trying to say is like, it's just like how you look at things, how you look at things and yeah. then how you could, and then that's where story writing comes in for me. And that's what I'm trying to be better at now just starting is how could I paint this into something everyone will find funny. Yeah. So when I initially write it down, I don't think it's funny. I don't even think it's funny looking at my old comedy notes, but when I restructure it, restructure it, restructure it. And I think I've been good at like, knowing what people want, knowing what people like to hear. And um, and that's through listening to comedy, like through years and years. I know what makes me laugh. I know when I'm laughing, I see other people laughing. So I see what affects us. 
And I feel like um, just being a student of that and then transpiring that into your own way of twisting and manipulating situations to be comical to yourself that you think you could twist and make another people laugh. Yeah. I think it's I think it's all the lens at which you uh, which you decide to look at life through. Yeah. So, <clears throat> kind of to to change what you're saying for someone who's not trying to be a comedian. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's. It's not the situation around you, but it's how you interpret it and what yes. you're paying attention to. Yes. So if it's if you're in a bad mood, if you keep focusing on negative things, you will keep going down the negative spiral. Yes. But if you're trying to change your perspective, yes. as you were saying, and, and and focus more on the levity, the comedy of the surroundings, then it's it then you notice more of those and then it's it, it it brings to your awareness more. Yes. So um, if you, I've I've done, I've listened to comedy for a long time now, and a lot of these comedics um, have fucked up lives. Like That's they a have very high correlation. Very, very high of, and they use comedy as an escape to get over their current problems. I, I don't think I fall into that category. But I think that's an example right there is how you could take someone that's grown up so unfortunate and they're able to transpire that into making people all around fill arenas and making people laugh about the sad stuff. If they said it in a different tone of voice in a different setting, people might be crying. But in comedy, you get them on stage and um, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of successful comedians have been through some shit, and they just look at it different, and they decide to look at it. Yeah, they decide to look at it different. So yeah, I think that's I think that's the biggest part of it. And um, I think I, I anything weird that you see is usually a way for me. Anything weird that kind of sticks out, like that's weird. I could usually twist that. Through writing it on paper, I could usually twist that and be like, why is it weird? And is, this is weird because of this. Well, why does this person, why is why are they saying, like, and just breaking that down. Yeah. Just breaking what weird is. And well, yeah, and why like, as like, weird. like as uh, Seinfeld was really good at, is, is taking the normal every day mm -hmm. and then twisting it just a touch yes 10 percent more like like oh this is the weird part of that that's the funny part of the situation mm -hmm. that's around me now i'm presenting it as a comedic effect to like make people laugh let's turn that up a little bit let's, yes you know like so so it's changing your purview so that you are more aware of the joy and the entertainment and the, and the comedy around you. And I think that comes with finding what kind of style of comedian you are too. Because some people like Joe Rogan, he takes real life events, right? He'll take a real life event and he'll bring light to it. And it's like, this is fucked up. Like his last special on Netflix was all about sexism and how uh, he's sexist towards boys because things that girls get away with, guys don't get away with. So he brings real life events to light. My favorite comedians, uh, Demetri Martin and Mitch Hemberg, they are goofy. They just do like Mitch Hemberg's one of his favorite, favorite famous lines, I should say, is I used to do drugs. I still do. 
but I used you to. <laughs> it's like, that's <laughs> one of his famous lines. And it's, it's not anything real life. It's yeah. Mitch Hembury. It's how he word play, it's his wordplay. So yeah. it's everyone has their own little style of comedy. And yeah. um, I it's think like, that's I what It's like, I used to do it. drugs. I mean, I still do, but I used to do drugs. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I still do. I mean, I yeah. still do, but... <laughs> I used to, too. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Okay, well, I also wanted to talk to you a little bit, and this will be super, super highlighted because um, I want to be respectful of your time or whatnot. But so, in order to find more joy in confinement, uh, as we are right now, change your purview and look for the comedic uh, effect around you, and it should bring you more joy. So now, like you also, you were a personal trainer for years. Um, what are you recommending as like just like a basic level of activities and maybe maybe even like a simple resource for people to you know get active in some way because i know that like personally like when you get the blood flowing and you get some energy out like you're more productive during the day like you're more positive you can find the comedic events around you so like what's a what are you recommending right now for like people to like do to stay fit while they're like trapped inside? So what I've done the last four days, and I'm one of those people that I need fitness so I don't go fucking insane. I get moody, I get aggravated over stupid shit, and I know it's time to work out. <laughs> like that's that's so I I have to elevate my heart rate. And in these times, all gyms are shut down. Parks are shut down. Beaches are shut down. You can't even go in the water to oh, surf. I miss surfing so bad. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's weird time. So what I've done, I just keep on going. I was like, this is shut down. This is shut down. This is shut. What isn't shut down is this giant hill called Mount Soledad. <laughs> so I have been running hills every morning. So I run a hill, get to the top, and I'll do a set of push-ups. And then I'll walk down, listen to my podcast down, and then I'll get to the bottom of the hill and I'll turn on my rock and roll, whatever playlist I have, and I'll sprint back up the hill. Do you go all the way up to the cross? No, I don't go all the way up to the cross. I go, um, but I did three up and downs um, the other day and it came up to like five miles. Okay. So, and do you go um, all the way to the intersection of like Soledad Road? Yeah. So, like up the hill and it flattens out. Yeah. And then you yep. come back. It flattens okay. out and then I walk on back. Yep. And, I, and then when you're walking back, you got the view of the whole city. Yeah. So, it's like that's where I've gotten my endorphin release. Um, yeah. It's just taking it outside, doing what I can. I, I'm that person. I can't stay inside and work out. I yeah. just. I have a weight bench in my living room right now, so I'll, uh, I'll probably do some bench press, but that doesn't give me my endorphin. Yeah. That doesn't give me what I work out for. Mm-hmm. Um, what gives me that is getting that heart rate up, and I have to do that outside. So I've turned to hills. I've turned to hill running. So my advice to answer your question, um, everyone has GPS on their phone, find a hill. Find a hill, it's the most efficient way to elevate that heart rate in the shortest amount of time. So sprint up the hill, walk down, gather your thoughts, sprint up the hill again, and uh, that's that's all I could do during this time. Yeah. When you get to the point of hating yourself and <laughs> feeling exhausted, do at least two more. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because you got more in you than you think. Exactly. Um, well, I also the- have uh, I also have uh, kettlebells, and I uh, I found a couple parking structures. 
So I've gone to a parking structure and right now businesses are closed. So parking structures are usually open. So I've gone to this one parking structure. Not going to tell you guys where because I don't want to. That's your space. Keep six feet away. Find your own parking structure. (laughs) The 15 people that are listening, 15, 20 people that are listening to this. But um. Yeah, it's uh, parking structures are a good place too. Good, uh, good empty lots. They got stairs usually too, right? Yep, they got stairs. Yeah. Um, and I have, I have the, I own a couple kettlebells. That's all I need, kettlebells. Yeah. Which, by the way, I went shopping for more kettlebells. Everything is sold taken. out. Everything is sold out. So I am extremely grateful every day that I go work out in my garage gym because mm-hmm. I've had that garage gym for years. And it's like essentially a fully kitted out mini CrossFit gym, and it has been the best. That is awesome. Yeah. Have you had a lot of people hit you up for a Oh, yeah. The first like week or two of like quarantine. See, like, I was too nice. Hey, man, can I borrow this? Mm-hmm. Can I borrow this? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had, I had like uh, 30 kettlebells yeah. because I was doing my business, my yeah. outdoor boot camps. And I had everyone hit me up, and I was so nice. Like, yeah, yeah, take them. Now I don't know where my kettlebells are. I'm like, about send group text messages out because now I want to like, I should, I should just sell them. I don't. I don't. <laughs> but that's the thing too is that like the difference was you had thirty kettlebells. Yes. I had one. Yes. You know, like yeah. so. Yeah, but I had like twelve people ask me for that one kettlebell, yes. and I yeah. was like, oh, no, I, I, I kind of need it because like literally. The, the greatest thing, I mean, like, go on YouTube, do whatever you need to do to, like, find different kettlebell workouts. I mean, you can even hit me up on Instagram and DM. I have, like, a 30-day kettlebell workout program that yeah. I bought a while ago from a really good uh, fitness programmer, Who? Ryan Fisher. Uh, I know him. I bought the same, probably the same one. The 30-day kettlebell. He's, yeah. he's, he's my favorite. So. Yeah. Fisher's a good dude. I, I, know, I know him personally. He's a... Really, we could go on really long tangents of his crazy ass of like going, I followed him running a, a marathon and then deadlifting. He worked up to 500 pounds in a day. Like, so he's what? one of those people. He's one of those people you want to chalk up as steroids, but it's probably work ethic. I mean, he's most so. Like you, it's easy to see his physique. His physique is. Have insane. you ever met him in person? No. He's a brick house. Guess how tall he is. I think he's short. I've seen him in a, next to a couple girls, and he's quite a bit shorter. But I'm guessing, like off the top, I'm guessing like uh, five five. Yeah, yeah. So he like so if you were to put Ryan Fisher and I'm sorry, Fish, brick like, I love you. Like, God damn, you're an amazing house. human being and an amazing. incredible athlete. But like, if he was like standing in a photo by himself you wouldn't know how big he is, right? He's very proportioned and all that kind Mm -hmm. of good stuff. But, like, he's fucking savage. He's jacked. He's, like, he's a, you know... I don't follow too many people on social media for their fitness. He's one of them. He's really, really good at making your life miserable in the fitness world Mm -hmm. in in a good way. But, Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he's an incredibly strong, incredibly gifted human being. And, but like, yeah, he's, he's like five, 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 six. Like yeah. He, but I got his kettlebell five. program. Too. Yeah. It's probably the same. It's really, really got. good kettlebell program. So either way, like there are many different ways that you can, can get fitness. Um, but like, it, it's a matter of just, just doing it right. Yes. Like, and, and you know, 20, 30 minutes a day, don't judge yourself. Just get after it. Something as simple as finding a hill and run up it three times, five times, run up until you feel like you want to puke, then run up it one more time. Like, and just get that done with. 
because we're still allowed to do fitness outside, just not yeah. in groups, not in yeah. parks. Like you find can stay on the sidewalk, find a hill. Find a hill. For find a hill. Weight. As far and, as body weight goes, yeah. it's like the best you could do, right? Yeah. It's like... So find a hill and change your perspective and try to find the comedy in life. Yes. Yep. Laughter is definitely important during dark times. So yeah, just uh, yeah, like you said. If, pe- if people want to uh, to reach out to you uh, more, uh, what's your what's your best way of getting connected with you? Is it Instagram, Facebook, email? I don't really like. I hate social media. Yeah. But what I've what I've just recently got into um, is what you've probably you've probably heard of TikTok. Yeah. And I was like, since this time is, I'll check out TikTok because I, I want to start transpiring into more comedy skits. I've loved comedy okay. skits. So getting into TikTok, it was like, it's, it makes video editing super easy. And there's Wait, tons so, of filters that give tons of ideas. So, so I'm not on TikTok, so let me just like quickly ask you a question or two. Yes. Um, are you doing the weird dancing shit? Or like, is no. there other things on TikTok besides TikTok, weird dancing things? TikTok is a video editing software program app. Um, that has tons of filters. So you know how Snapchat's fun because it has all these filters. Yeah, weird filters. Yes. So TikTok's taken all those filters and they've made it possible to use these filters into videos. So which make it... Um, so when you're trying to like write out a script and you're trying to make a point and there's a filter that makes that point even easier to make, whether uh, yeah. I could give myself chubby cheeks or long hair or whatever it may Didn't be. Did you do like a skit not too long ago I did where you a made skit. your head like nose really yes. long and your eyes really yeah. big? Yeah, so I that was TikTok. That. So it was, it was okay. like a lot of editing capabilities. So I could have a conversation now with myself that doesn't look like I'm talking to myself. Yeah. So I could have like, so now I don't need multiple people to film one video. I could use myself with a filter, <laughs> long blonde hair, and I could say some stupid shit to myself with a giant nose. <laughs> and like, oh, yeah, it's just, uh, so that's one, one thing I've tried to shift to during these times. Okay, like, so what's your, uh, what's your handle or profile? J.P. Witty. J.P. Witty. J.P. underscore W-I-T-T-Y. And um, yes, I have I've been collecting a whole bunch of ideas this last week, and I'm gonna go ham with the uh, TikTok skits, com- comedic videos um, soon. So, and it's fun. It's fun to follow. Uh, every, almost every stand-up comedian has a TikTok. So, looking at their videos, and it's um, yeah. I, I'm I'm not a social media person. So it took me a long, it took me a quarantine to like check it out. <laughs> but it took me to I've, be completely socialized where I had to create conversations with myself, <laughs> but with another person. Exactly, exactly. But now since exploring it, it's like, fuck Instagram, fuck Facebook. Yeah. Like, I'm, I yeah, think it's also I'm like in. one of the fastest growing ones. It is. And also. Gary Vee owns it, I guess. I think. Really? I think. Mm-hmm. One of my friends told me that in fact check him. Yeah, he says a lot of random it. shit. <laughs> So, <laughs> Google that. <laughs> Google it. Uh, also, like demographic-wise, it, it, it is vastly more, you know, like younger-ish generation. And so, like, yeah. you know, just when, like, 
Facebook used to be cool when we were younger, mm-hmm. right? Like we were some of the first generations because you had to have an EDU after your email address to even get Facebook. Yes. I remember. I had to wait I till. <laughs> really? No? I got Facebook late. I got oh, okay. Late blue. I, I remember so like I had to wait till my freshman year in college okay. to get a Facebook account. So like the very first photos and everything. Uh, I'm 32, so I'm. 32? Yes. Yeah, 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 a couple months younger than mm-hmm. you. Um, yeah, so, but like, so when that became not cool, Instagram kind of came over, right? Now, yep. Instagram is not like cool. I mean, it still is a very, very large platform, just like Facebook is a very large platform. But now like the TikTok yes. is is what like the, you know, 20s and under are, are no, like vastly doing. I kind of th- have a hunch that the reason that TikTok's so much more towards the younger is the longest video you can do is a minute. It goes 15 seconds or 60 seconds. But that's and also Instagrams. Yeah, that's also Instagrams, but I was more comparing it to like, I guess, YouTube, uh, where I think a lot of people are going towards short attention span, quick, like make me laugh, scroll, make me yeah. laugh, scroll kind of thing. You, you, because I was listening to a good podcast, because that's the funny thing is the difference between, say, like podcasting and social media yes. in a sense that like, you know, you have like your Joe Rogans and your, you know, your Neil Game and like all these like armchair expert with Dak Shepard, like all these like three, four hour long podcasts that like I'll listen to a four hour podcast for sure. But then also on the, the same side and different side of the coin is like the 15 second Instagram or Vine when that was like six seconds. Like, yeah. So like there's different, I feel like there's different segments of attention span. Like oh, yeah. if, if you have something that someone's willing to invest time into, like there is a market for that. But then there's also a market for the 15 second, like ADD, oh, yeah. like ah, and switch, ah, switch. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, so yep. yeah, it, it, it's, yeah. Unfortunately, I think I fall into that 15 second market. <laughs> 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 I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. Hey, but you know what? attention span struggles. Uh, embrace who you are and, and things become a lot easier. It's, yes. it's when you're fighting against like what you're naturally trying to do. Exactly. It just makes it hard when you're a guest in a podcast and you forget what you're talking about halfway through and try to answer his question. And then you're like, where was I going? <laughs> so, Mind Why are we you, talking mind about you, squirrels it, right now? It, it's been 25 minutes, and we tried wrapping this up 25 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so we'll there try we one more time. There we go. And then we'll actually stop recording. All right, let's okay, do it. So I would say, Focusing. like, fine. <laughs> full thing. Um, so we know where to find you. We can find you on TikTok. You're great, creating great content there at JP Witty. Yeah, um, I'll yep. tag that in the, uh, the comments Pick below. I've got two videos right now, so... Videos, we're going viral. Going viral. <laughs> uh, final statement. Final, like what you want to leave people with, and then we'll 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 stop recording. Final statement would be off the top would be um, just starting this comedy thing was the biggest out of my comfort zone experience I've ever gone through in my life, and after that, it gave me confidence to talk to people I've wanted to talk to for a long time. I'm more comfortable with um, group talking. Like, it's just transpired confidence. And that's what I lacked when it came to communication amongst more than one or two individuals. So, uh, 
The biggest takeaway is find what makes you uncomfortable and charge it and find a way to overcome that uncomfortable feeling because I think in any uncomfortable feeling, whether it's fitness and you're pushing through that last rep and it's burning and you're uncomfortable, what, but what comes out of that muscle growth, what comes out of that is improvement in endurance. Um, so I, I think there's a, there's a strong correlation in being comfortable being uncomfortable and uh, that is my two cents on that question i think i wrapped it up i think that was my first answer <laughs> <laughs> topic question answer done go. uh well joel thank you so much for the conversation and if we don't end it now we're probably going to be going for another hour yeah i'm ready for so. next question <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, thank you so much for, for having this conversation with me. Uh, find the joy in your life, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Awesome. Appreciate you having me, and uh, looking forward to coming back. And uh, hopefully then I'll have more stand-up stand-ups under my belt and be able to uh, talk more about it. Yeah, and Beachcomber in uh, OB, or not OB, yeah, Mission Beach. Yeah, a lot more failures to come, a lot more yeah. success for yeah. night. So yeah, I look forward to coming back. I will definitely make the next show. I awesome. promise you that. Okay, okay. Right. Later, Joel. Awesome, peace. Thank you for listening to another Grow With Greg podcast. I uh, hope you found some joy and at least just some comedic relief uh, from our conversation we had with Joel Paulson. Um, again, follow him on TikTok to be seeing his you know, little sketch comedy bits. Uh, it's JP underscore witty. And um, I look forward to another conversation with you all. Stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy your day. Thank you.